0: Last week, if you were with us and you caught the live stream, you know that we started a brand new series called The Unsung Heroes of the Bible. And this is just what it sounds like. We are taking some time over the next few weeks to just walk through some of the characters that maybe don't get the credit that they deserve, talk a little bit about their stories, and then talk about what can we learn from their stories. And we're going to continue in that stream here today. Just a quick recap in case you missed last week's sermon, we talked a little bit about the story of Ananias and how God used him in such a powerful way in the conversion of who we know now as Paul the Apostle. And we know that that conversion of Paul was instrumental in the fact that it allowed the early church to really rapidly grow and just explode and to really just expand throughout the area during the time of Paul. And we also know that without Paul we wouldn't have about half of what we see today as our New Testament. So we spent some time walking through Ananias and the one thing that I really hope that you took away from that is he said yes to God. And what I mean by that is if you know the story of Ananias or if you heard the story last week, he said yes to God. God asked him to do something that you and I would have been probably a little hesitant to do and that was to go and to talk to this man named Saul who was actively persecuting and killing Christians And God says to him, go, I want you to talk to this man. And yes, Ananias had a little bit of hesitation and went, hey, you know, God, this this guy, he's kind of a bad dude. He does some really bad things. But he said yes to God, and God used him in a powerful way. So I hope you enjoyed that lesson, and we are going to continue this week with a story about Rahab. And I love the story of Rahab. And when I hear people say things like, the Bible's boring. I think to stories like this story of Rahab, because this is an action story. This is a story that could be made into a movie and would probably be a blockbuster because there are so many intricate parts to this story. A matter of fact, I'm gonna have a hard time narrowing this down to one sermon, but we're gonna do our best. And we're gonna walk through the story of Rahab And just as importantly, what can you and I learn from the story of Rahab? What can you and I walk away from her story and apply to our daily lives? So if you have your Bible, you're going to want to open up to Joshua chapter 2. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time here. But I want to just take a moment to walk through why I chose Rahab for this particular lesson when there's so many unsung heroes of the Bible. So just to name a few things. First of all, she was the great-grandmother of Jesus. So she was in the lineage of our Lord and Savior. And to me, that makes her important right there all by itself. She answered the call. Or in this case, she opened the door. And we'll talk about the story here in just a minute. But but she, she answered the call just like Ananias did and played a really key role in a very important story that we find in the Old Testament. She went from zero to hero. She went from somebody that nobody probably would have ever remembered or known anything about and somebody that probably would have been destroyed when the walls of Jericho fell to a very central figure who played an important role of the Israelites moving into the promised land. She was converted by simply believing in God. And we're going to walk through that in just a minute as well. But she wasn't simply reformed. She was truly transformed. So I hope that you're as excited as I am to get into this story. And again, we're going to start out in Joshua, and we're going to read through about the first 21 verses to give you an idea of the story and the background. And we'll kind of stop as we go, and we'll unpack some of these really important things. And then we'll wrap up by talking about what are the different lessons that we as Christians can learn from the story of Rahab. So let's get started. In, in verse 1, we see it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shidom. It says, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, let me back up just a little bit. Let me give you just a little bit of background. In case you're not super familiar with the Old Testament, this is right after the death of Moses, who, as we know, had been leading the Israelites towards the promised land. And after Moses passes away, God talks to Joshua and basically says, hey, you're for now, you're the new Moses. You're going you're gonna to take the people and move them into the promised land. So as they're moving forward, he sends these spies out to take a look at the town of Jericho because they're getting ready to conquer Jericho, and that's a whole other story for a different day. But he wants to know, what are we getting ourselves into here? What do we need to know? So he sends these two people out, and right away, we learn our first little tidbit about Rahab. He sent them to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. We've got a notorious sinner, right? A prostitute in a condemned city because we know that the city is about to be destroyed. And if you know your Old Testament history, you know the story about Jericho and walking around the city seven times and all that kind of good stuff. And again, we're not going to get into that this morning, but a notorious sinner in a condemned city. Now, I don't even want to get into the whole side story of when these two spies had to go back to their wives and tell them that they spent the night in the house of a prostitute. That's a whole other story for a different day. But what's important is to know who she was and where she was. And that was in the city of Jericho, which we know was a condemned city. So let's go ahead and move forward in our story. We're going to pick up in verse 2. It says, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. It says. So the king of Jericho sent a message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the land. It says, but then, excuse me, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, and I did not know where they had come from. Let's jump to verse five. It says, at dusk, when it was time to close the city gates, they left. It says, I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. It says, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. It says, so the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the Ford of Jordan. It says, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. It says, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up onto the roof. And here we read in verse nine, it says, and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. It says so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. See, Rahab understood the ramifications of what was about to happen. And the people knew, because we'll see a little bit later, they had heard the stories of what had been happening as the Israelites moved into these new places. She knew what was about to happen, and she knew what was going to take place. But she had fear of the judgment that was coming to her and her city. See, she had this healthy respect, right, for God and who he was and what he was capable of doing. And she had a fear of judgment. And, and I love that last part where it says, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Have we lost that? Have we lost that fear or that sense that judgment is real and that heaven and hell are real places and that someday we're going to have to stand in judgment and answer for the things that we've done? And we're very real, realistically going to go to one place or the other. I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to preach fire and brimstone. I say that because I feel like in talking to people that we've lost that sense of reality that someday we too are going to melt in fear of our maker as we stand before him to find out where we stand in judgment. Let's continue with our story in verse 10. It says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Shion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, when you completely destroyed. It says, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. See, she may have been a prostitute in a condemned city, But she believed in God and who he was. The end of it says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on earth below. There was no doubt in this woman's mind that the God that these spies were serving was the one true and living God. And we've got to have that same conviction in our lives, right? That there is no doubt in our minds of who God is and that he truly rules the heavens and the earth. Let's go ahead and jump forward to verse 12, where it says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brother and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will, you will save us from death. Jump ahead to verse 14. It says, our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, it says, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through a window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. A couple of really key things here. She not only asked For her own safety but the safety of her entire household because see she cared about her family so much that she wanted to make sure that they would be saved as well what a powerful example for you and i of how we should be with our families do we feel that same way that we're willing to risk it all to share jesus with all of our family and that we want all of our family to be saved or are we just worrying about ourselves? Because, see, Rahab, she was worried about her whole family, not just herself. She could have been selfish and just said, Hey, save me. Save me. I'm not worried about anybody but me. But no, she said, Me and my brothers and my sisters and their families, because she wanted them all to see the glory of God. She pled for mercy and she showed faith. Verse 16. Says, she said to them, Go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us, skip ahead, unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord. In the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brother, and all of your family into the house. So, so, this is another cool part that would make a great, a great scene in the movie, right? So, you have to kind of picture the walls of Jericho, and you've all seen pictures of this at one point or another, or, or maybe in Sunday school or whatever the case may be. But Rahab's home was part of this exterior wall of the city which, again, makes her the perfect person for this job, right? And she actually lowers these guys down by rope outside of the city. She's lowering them down to safety because she lived on the edge of these walls. And then what, did, what does she do? She asks for a token, right? Hey, give me something that's going to assure me of this kind of deal that we have made. And they tell her, they said, hey, Here's a scarlet cord. Now, we've all heard the story of the scarlet letter. They didn't give her a scarlet letter. They didn't didn't put something on her saying that she was bad. They gave her a scarlet cord and said, Tie this in the window, the same window that you lowered us down from, and you will be saved. Just like with us, it's a two-way street. They said that there's something they wanted her to do in order to be saved. Just like Jesus tells us, there's certain things we have to do to be saved. And she's willing to do that. And she received this token, right? This cord, this, this thing that reminded her, hey, if you do this, you're going to be saved. So let's go ahead and continue. Verses 19 and 20, we read, If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own hands. It says, We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. It says, But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. So here they are, they're confirming with her that if you will do these things, then you and your family will be saved. Just the same promise that God makes us. If we will do these things, if we will hear, repent, believe, be baptized, live faithfully, then we too will see the kingdom of heaven. They're making the same kind of deal with this woman of the night from Jericho. So let's look at verse 21. It says, agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. She demonstrated her faith by tying that cord in the window. She's saying, yes, I have faith that everything is what you say it is by tying it in the window. If you had to sum up this story of Rahab into just one word, it would be faith. She had faith that God was who he said he was. She had faith that he had sent these two people to her home. She had faith that if she did exactly what they asked her to do, that she would be saved. And we know that she was because she turns out to be the great-grandmother of Jesus. So, let's look at some things that we learn from this story We learn that God has a way of working through ordinary and very unlikely people. I'm sure when you think of heroes of the Bible, you probably don't think about prostitutes. But he can use anyone for his purpose. And if he can use a prostitute for his purposes, then he can use us for his purposes. Because, see, a lot of times we get in this mindset that God can't use me because I'm not smart enough, young enough, old enough, I don't know enough, I don't have a degree, I've done too many things in my past. That's not the way God operates. God used a prostitute in a huge way, and she ends up being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He can save and use anyone, including me and you. And lastly, he didn't give her a scarlet letter. He gave her a scarlet thread. He didn't disown her. He didn't put a badge of shame on her. He threw her a rope, or in this case, gave her a scarlet cord. See, here's what I love. Rahab had three strikes against her. She had three strikes against her. You guys know I'm a baseball fan. I love baseball. I love my St. Louis Cardinals. We got to talk about the strikes that Rahab had against her. Because see, we think of it in baseball, we think of three strikes and you're out. Well, Rahab had three pretty predominant strikes against her, yet God still used her. First of all, she was a Canaanite, not a Jew. Canaanites were were known as a wicked people. They, They were just the bad of the bad, the wicked of the wicked. You wouldn't think of somebody being a Canaanite that would be used in such a powerful way. So wicked and evil that God used Israel as an instrument to judge them, and they were idolaters. Now we know throughout the study of the Old Testament, this idolatry pops up over and over and over and over again. Even when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, just in the time that he was gone, What did people do? They built golden idols, golden calves in this case. So we know idolatry was like a big thing because they kept telling him, don't serve idols. And over and over and over again, they served idols. Well, that's something that the Canaanites did. Strike two, she was a woman. At this time, in this place, women were considered second-class citizens. That's just the culture that they were in. That's still the culture in some places today. She would not have been a a person who had a lot of rights. She would not have been someone you would think that God would use in such a powerful way. At this time, women were treated as property. Property. So I don't think it's an accident that God used Rahab in such a powerful way because he took this woman who no one would have expected who didn't, wasn't the right nationality, who in this case wasn't the right gender, and strike three, she was a prostitute, right? And that simply means that she sold her body for money. But God sees the potential in all of us. God sees the potential in every single one of us, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our background, regardless of our family, regardless of where we're from. He sees it in everyone, no matter what our past is. I I talk to people regularly, and, and they're so hung up on their past that they actually let that past Define not only who they are today, but who they're going to be. It's sad. It's sad because when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we're baptized for the remission of sins, when we're born anew, we don't have to be defined by those things that have happened in our past anymore. And when we do, when we let those things define us, we're basically saying that Jesus went to the cross for no reason. Because, see, Jesus went to the cross, and he suffered, and he bled, and he died, so that you and I would not be judged by the mistakes that we make. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't hear anything else that we talk about here this morning, if you don't have any other takeaway from this morning's lesson, Don't be defined by your past because you don't have to do that anymore. That's the whole idea of a new life in Jesus Christ is we don't have to be defined by our past and thank goodness that we don't because I have a past just like you have a past and I've made mistakes just like you've made mistakes but we don't have to be defined by that because we have the hope of an eternal life in heaven because God loved us enough to send his son. Powerful reminder, Rahab had all of these things going against her, yet she still had a great redeeming factor. And that was her faith. She believed through it all in God. To the point that she was willing to risk her own safety and her family's safety to hide these spies. because. She believed that God can and will save her. Again, to me, the story of Rahab in a nutshell is faith. Do you and I have that same faith? Do we have that dangerous faith? Do we have that faith where we're willing to risk it all for Jesus Christ? I hope that we do. I pray that we do. Because Rahab had that kind of faith and was willing to do whatever it took to prove her faith in God. If we look at the New Testament, I want to point to just a couple of passages in the New Testament that point us back to this story of Rahab. And the first one is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. It says, By faith, there's that word again, faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Again, by faith she was spared we can also look at james chapter 2 verse 25 james 2 25 says in the same way was not even rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction see we know we're we're referring back to our story and we know at the end of the story when she lowered them down she basically told them hey the." The guards are going that way to find you, and you need to go that way, and you need to hang out for three days so that you won't be caught. She did everything that they asked her to do, and in return, she was spared. Let's look at some other lessons that we learned from Rahab. And this isn't even all of them, this is a pretty big list. And I'm sure when this pops up, you're thinking, wow, that's a lot of lessons. There are so many powerful lessons from this story. And we're not going to take the time to go into all of these, but I want to just hit some of the highlights for you. The effects of faith in a sinner. Rahab was a sinner. You and I are sinners. But do we have that same faith that she has? The true token, as you remember in our story, Rahab wanted a token, right? Our token is in God's assurance of salvation, and an everlasting life. The works of her faith were evidence by assurance, concern for others, and faithfulness. Are we exhibiting those same things? Assurance that God is who he says he is and that he has a plan to save us with him in heaven? Are we worried about our family? Are we worried about others? Are we spreading the gospel? And are we being faithful despite the hard times that we find ourselves in? The blessings that God gave to her faith were deliverance from destruction, a place among God's people, and the honor of being in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Rahab's faith was rewarded just like our faith is rewarded. So here's our takeaways from today. God can and will use anyone in a powerful way to advance the kingdom. He can and he will. But just like we talked about last week with Ananias, is we have to say yes We have to look for those situations where God is placing people in our lives that need our help. We have to be willing to say yes, even though that person may not look like us and talk like us and think like us and worship like us and vote like us. It doesn't matter. We have to be willing to say yes because he can and he will use you, but you have to say yes. The second thing that I want you to take away from today's lesson is we we live in a doomed city just like Jericho. We we may not live in in, in a gated city surrounded by walls, and it may not be the exact same things that were going on in Jericho, but look at the things that are going on around us. Look at the things that society is deeming acceptable that go exactly contrary to what God's Word teaches us. And tell me that we're not in Jericho today. Tell me we're not in Sodom and Gomorrah today. We're in a doomed city too. And we have to make sure that our faith sees and accepts the way of salvation just like Rahab did. Her city was about to be destroyed. I don't know when our city is going to be destroyed. The Bible teaches us that we don't know when the time or the place is that Jesus is coming back. Are we staying faithful to God just like Rahab did? Do we have that same faith? Are we still working for God? Are we still working to save our families? Do we have the faith that Rahab had? And that's the question that I want to leave you with this morning. Do you have the faith that this prostitute that lived over 2,000 years ago had and she made a lasting impact on the world. Here we are 2,000 and something years later, still talking about her example, and still talking about a laundry list of things we can learn from her. We're in Jericho. We're in a doomed city. And our faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that can save us. Our faith that he is who he says he is. That he did what he said he would do, and that he wants to share his home with us in heaven one day. Maybe this morning, you have never had the opportunity to be baptized so that you too can have a piece of that salvation so that you too can have your past put behind you. Please reach out. We're more than happy to make an appointment for you. We will bring you up here to the church or wherever you'd like to go to be baptized and we'll baptize you for the remission of sins. Or maybe you have. Maybe you have committed your life to Christ, but you've lost that faith, that faith that Rahab has please reach out to us. We'll be happy to pray with you and pray for you and help you find that relationship once again with Jesus Christ. I want to give you the opportunity now to think about those things as we sing the next song that we have selected. Throughout the endless ages, you will be crowned. So thank you again so much for joining us, and please join me in a word of closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we had today to come together in this virtual space and just spend some time singing praises to you, praying, taking communion together, and spending time in your word. And Heavenly Father, this morning as we get ready to go our separate ways and go about our week ahead, we pray that you will just help us to have the faith that Rahab had. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us, and most of all, we thank you for sending your Son, not because we were deserving, but out of your love for us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the King of my shine